Hello, Internet. This is Glenn. And in Psalm 69, we read, The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. What wonder that it is that Almighty God cares and wants to hear from us. And this is Linda. We here at Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast are fascinated by God-inspired song stories, the glimpses of composers' lives that their creations permit us to see, however, sometimes not so easily. We share these stories for your enjoyment and for what we pray will feed our mutual curiosity about God's musical purpose for us. We are so glad to have you here with us and join us now in the history and adventure as we find the circumstance that lead to creating the songs we all love. A song which encourages us to pray to the Lord so that he will hear our pleas and receive our prayers by associating prayer to being in a beautiful garden is The Beautiful Garden of Prayer. The text was written by Eleanor Schroll, who was born in 1878 in Newport, Kentucky. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting. There's a place that is wondrously fair, for it glows with the light of his presence. Tis a beautiful garden of prayer. Oh, the beautiful garden, the garden of prayer. Oh, the beautiful garden of prayer. There my Savior waits, and he opens the gates to the beautiful garden of prayer. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting, and I go with my burdens and care just to learn from his lips words of comfort in the beautiful garden of prayer. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting, and he bids you to come meet him there, just to bow and receive a new blessing in the beautiful garden of prayer. Eleanor was the daughter of Isaac Allen and Rosa Ella, Ella Ross, and wife of Henry K. Clay Scroll, married November the 27th, 1906, Campbell County, Kentucky. She taught in Northern Kentucky schools for a number of years. She was an accomplished songwriter and compiler of religious music. She was a 42-year-old woman at the time she wrote this song, originally from Northern Kentucky on the Ohio border, perhaps near Covington and was evidently an ardent prayer. That much we know about Eleanor Scroll, with only a few other details. We can imagine that she loved to pray and imagine the Garden of Prayer, alternative known as the Beautiful Garden of Prayer, as a spot where she most cherished in communication, her communication with God. Was it because that's where she was most drawn to him, where he had prayed so poignantly? And we see in Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, did she see in his own garden episode a divine hurt that drew her trust, a presumption that he would be available to bear her emotional loads too? What is, is it the believer seeks most often in prayer? And could this also be said of Eleanor? A few do details include that two songs are attributed to her. 
both songs that both songs came within a four-year span, including one, He Lives, in 1916. And her thoughts about the garden praying was in 1920. Whether she developed the, her faith because of the influence of parents, Isaac Allen and Ellen Allen, or through, the hus, through her husband, Henry K. Scholl, or both is unknown. She may have had at least one sister also. According to the picture showing, perhaps her husband and a female that resembled Eleanor Nor very closely in 1951. Our conversation with the Unseen God, as we can remember, uh, is with the acronym A period, C period, T period, S period, indicates we should first adore him, first, then confess to him, offer him thanks, and finally conclude with our request and supplications for his intervention. Eleanor's poetry indicates she had issues, burden, and care. She wanted Jesus to tackle, and that she felt he indeed offered comfort. Though unknown, Eleanor's burden as a 42-year-old woman could have been anything. Health, family, finances. What seems the most likely in her poem is her desire to be with him Feel his closeness in a lovely, peaceful place, knowing that Creedy wanted to be a friend and a protector there. It would seem this poet creator adored, confessed, and thanked him. Also, Burr's focal point seems to be his availability, his welcome to her person whose vision responds to Jesus' contact. He opens the gate, Eleanor says. This presents him in a light where we as a believer to infrequently see him. We initiate prayer with him every day. We need stuff, like we need to tell him how guilty we feel. We want to express our gratitude to tell him we admire and are so amazed at him. What Eleanor says is that he coaxes me toward him, and he pushes on the gate. He's interested in calling me calling him. He's the Almighty, but he's dedicated to see me as he waves me in and puts his arms around my shoulder. His invitation makes me feel valued. What a God, huh? Eleanor Schroll was born on June 7, 1878, in Newport, Kentucky, and died on January 8, 1966, in Daytona Beach, Florida. Her obituary in the Cincinnati Enquirer on January 10, 1966, says this was nearby Ormond Beach. Eleanor was buried in the Evergreen Cemetery in Southgate, Kentucky. Other than that, we don't know much about the author of the lyrics of this old hymn. Choice. Eleanor Scroll, however, she lived in a city with a beautiful view of a busy street in front of her, the roofs and chimneys behind her. One can imagine that she might have been a prayer warrior and despite of the views of out her window, 
She could envision spending time with the Savior in the beautiful garden of prayer. Maybe she received some inspiration from the story of Christ praying in the garden. They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray, found in Mark 14.32. We really don't know what caused her to write about a garden of prayer. The tune was composed by James Henry Fillmore. Fillmore was a well-known music publisher among churches of Christ and Christian churches in the late 19th century and early 20th century. The song was originally copyrighted and first published in 1920 by the Fillmore Brothers Company in Cincinnati, Ohio. But when the copyright was renewed in 1948, it was owned by Lillian Publishing Company, which is associated with the Nazarene Publishing House. Among hymn books published by members of the Lord's Church during the 20th century for use in Churches of Christ, the song appeared in the 1937 Great Songs of the Church No. 2, the 1948 Christian Hymns No. 2, and the 1966 Christian Hymns No. 3, both edited by L.O. Sanderson, the 1963 Abiding Hymns edited by Robert C. Welch, and the 1963 Christian Hymnal, edited by J. Nelson Slater. Today, it may be found in the 1971 Songs of the Church, the 1990 Songs of the Church 21st Century Edition, and the 1994 Songs of Faith and Praise, all edited by Alton Howard, and the 1992 Praise for the Lord, edited by John P. Wygand, in addition to hymns for worship and sacred selections. Having been found in all these books published by Brethren, it has been quite popular through the years. The song men- mentions several benefits of prayer. In verse 1, prayer is communion with God. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting. There's a place that is wonderfully fair. For it grows with a, for it glows with the light of his presence. Tis a beautiful garden of prayer. Prayer is an opportunity for us to call upon God as our Father who is in heaven, found in Matthew 6, 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This communion with God in prayer is identified poetically as a place that is wonderfully fair, like a garden such as a garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, had communion with God. As we find in Genesis 2, 15, 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden thou must freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the reason that prayer is like such a garden is because it glows with the light of his presence. In prayer, we spiritually come into the very presence of God himself. Read Hebrews 4, 14-16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold that fast our profession. 
For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In our second verse, prayer is talking with God. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting, and I go with my burden and care, just to learn from his lips words of comfort in the beautiful garden of prayer. In prayer, we kneel before the Father and talk to him, as Paul did in Ephesians three, fourteen through 16 For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to his riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. When we thus talk with him, we can go with our burdens and cares, as we read in First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We don't hear God speak directly to us when we pray, and some do th- seem to think it is possible that our minds are so focused on him when we're talk- taking our burdens and cares to him, some portion of his word that has previously studied or learned may come to the forefront of our mind and help us with specific problems. And we know that God always speaks through his word, as it says in Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration from God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that man that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In verse 3, we hear how prayer brings us close to God. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting. Oh, can aught with this glory compare? Just to walk and to talk with my Savior in the beautiful garden of prayer. Prayer is most certainly one of those things that will help us draw near to God, that he might draw near to us. In James 4, 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. While we do not physically see God's glory in prayer, as Moses did on the mount, yet prayer helps us to develop a sense of his glory. That same glory that Moses did see as we are, see an example in Exodus 33, 18 through 23, and 34, 29, 35. And he said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I shall make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is the place by me. You shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock, 
and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And in the next verse it continues, Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. And the glory comes from walking and talking with the Savior again. This is not literal, but we walk and talk with Jesus when we follow him in his steps and obey his will. 1 Peter 2, 21-22, For to, to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, living us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. First John 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Our song continues in verse 4. Prayer is comfort from God. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting, and he bids you to come meet him there, just to bow and receive a new blessing in the beautiful garden of prayer. In prayer, we can gain the peace that passes all understanding. In Philippians 4, 6-7, through 7, says that is why Jesus bids us to come and meet with him there. Matthew 7, 7-8 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. We meet with him in a sense that he is our mediator, high priest and advocate, first Timothy two five, for these for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 8, 1 says, Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set at the right hand on the throne of the majesty in heaven. In 1 John 2, 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Therefore, when we truly bow before him 
in humble submission to his will, we receive his blessings because all spiritual blessings in heavenly places can be found in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 This says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The Course says that Jesus opened the gates to the beautiful garden of prayer. Oh, the beautiful garden of prayer. Oh, beautiful garden of prayer. There my Savior awaits, and he opens the gates to the beautiful garden of prayer. This he did by his death on the cross, which makes possible our access to God. As we see in Romans 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also you have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Ephesians 2, 14-18 says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Almost anyone could tell that the figurative language is used throughout this song, so we can appreciate better the benefits that we have in prayer. So we can go wherever we want, the beautiful garden of prayer. The cyber hymnal has a picture of her and lists one one other song she wrote. Other than that, we know nothing about her. As well as being a composer, James Fillmore was a pastor and a singing school teacher of sacred music, was a sacred music publisher, working with, working in the latter with his brothers. The Lord speaks of believers drawn to himself as his own special people. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye shall know, that ye shall uh, show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peculiar is the word the old King James Version uses, not meaning odd, but unique. In speaking of his future blessing of the nation of Israel, the Lord says, Their souls, i.e. more precisely their lives, shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all, in Jeremiah thirty-one twelve. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat, and for wine, and for oil, and for the young of the flock, and of the herd. And their soul shall be as watered garden, and they shall not sorrow any more at all. It's a picture of the freshness and vitality 
of daily life they can anticipate during the reign of their Messiah King. An off offering from Haldor Lillian's called The Garden of My Heart leaves these more profound applications and gets us close semantically. He describes times of prayer this way. In the cool of the day, he walks with me. In the rose border way, he talks with me. The lovely, in love's holy union and sacred communion in the garden of my heart. Roses seem to be the fascination as well for the druggist-turned-gospel writer, Charles Austin Miles. It's in his popular song from 1912, he writes, I come to the garden alone, while the dew is still on the roses. Miles is speaking of fellowship with the Lord, but what or where the rose garden is, he never tells. This brings us to the present hymn, and yet another garden, the garden where Jesus is waiting. There's a place so wondrously fair, for it glows with the light of his presence. Tis a beautiful garden of prayer. Oh, the beautiful garden, the garden of prayer. Oh, the beautiful garden of prayer. There my Savior awaits, and, is, and he opens the gates to the beautiful garden of prayer. Jesus tells us always to pray. It's a blessing to my soul to know that my God wants me to talk to him. And he already talks to me through his whole book. Linda and I read it often. We have a reading together each day that takes us through the whole Bible at least one time a year. Other times we study it in our Sunday school lesson or in the Sunday services. Then we study every Wednesday night at prayer meeting. We just go, we have just gone through the book of Revelations, and this coming week we go start the study of angels. I hear God speaking to me in these times. We love the teaching of the men of God that we have found over the years in church and on the internet. We watch and listen to them all the time. God teaches and admonishes me, guides me in the best paths that are best for me here in my life right now. I love these times and I look forward to them. I have other times that are so sacred. There are times when just him and we're just with him and me. He comes to me. He comes to be with me. Really. It's usually by my invitation, but sometimes not. His presence is with me and he speaks to me in wordless communication and I understand it. It's a time when I gladly release my will to his. At my request, he arranges the connection in my brain to be in order with his wills for my life. 
This is a sweet time with the Lord. While I do not know, but I think it's similar to the other garden, the Garden of Eden. Similar in that it's a peaceful place to commune with God. Most of the time, it's just be together. I receive the benefit of being with Jesus. I enjoy his influential presence. Such joy and wonder is this time. A, th a thing I need help with will come to my mind, and soon, very soon, the solution will be in my mind. Or I'll find out the following day something much better than I had imagined comes to pass. If it comes at night, many times a peaceful sleep will come upon me and I wake to find he's been there all night. I go to the garden of prayer any time. I could get quiet and remove the distractions and come away refreshed. I know this place by experience. I know God has a wonderful plan for my life and I could never imagine life by my own, on my own. I've experienced it for real. You know, God has a wonderful plan for your life too. Would you follow it? Will you enjoy his presence with you daily? You know you can. You really can. Do you want this or is there some sin in your life that you love too much to turn loose of, to turn to Jesus? Oh, let Jesus have that sin and take it from you. Trust him to change what you want. He loved you enough to go to the cross. There he suffered your sin debt. He suffered your separation from God for eternity. So you could begin to know what it is like to be in the presence of God Almighty. You can walk with God, literally. Feel his love and know his comfort. Won't you come to him today? He loves you. And he wants to forgive you right now. You've got to want to do it, want that too. Ask him to forgive you for rejecting his plan for your life and turn to him and let him wrap his loving arms around you and take you into eternity with him forever. Thank you, Jesus. Let's listen to Forgiven. Play and sing the beautiful garden of prayer. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting. There's a place that is wondrously fair. For it glows with Is that beautiful garden of prayer? Oh, the beautiful garden, the garden. 
Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We trust it was a blessing to you. It makes our day when we hear someone that was blessed by our podcast for music. We'd love to get an email from you. Just send it to glenn.dawson at glenn.dawsonea.com. That's G-L-E-N-N dot Dawson at Glenn, G-L-E-N-N Dawson, E-A.com. You can find all our information on our website at www.glendawsonea.com. In addition to our email, you can find information about our Facebook page and Twitter information. You can also find links to our index of all our podcasts and links to all our music on YouTube. We do hope so much you will send your friends and family over to our website to sign up for our newsletter. By signing up, they can win a CD or USB drive with our songs on it. We hope you will enjoy those. And remember now, we love y'all. God be with you. And bye for now.